Hi, this is Mike McNamara, and you're listening to All Marine Radio on your home for it, the one and only All Warrior Radio Network. Good morning from uh, Baltimore, Maryland, and uh, joining me from Kansas City someplace is uh, not really, I never remember which side of the river is on. I think it's Kansas, but who gives a shit, right? Um, it is Kansas City after all. Will Cosentini. Will, how are you? Good morning. I'm actually on the south side of the river. Really? I thought the river ran north-south, so in order for you to be on the south side, you'd have to be in the Gulf of Mexico. Not in not in my locale. It's running more east-west. So I'm on the south. Oh, wow. Congratulations on that deal. Speaking of the south, Tim, Tim Lynch. A little geography. Well, we love that. Tim Lynch joins us. Tim, how, good morning. How are you? Doing fine, Matt. All right. And Jeff Kenny joins us from South California. So, Jeff, good morning. How are, <clears throat> how are you? Good morning. I'm good. Thank you. All right. Uh, we're going to do a little Ops Intel uh, here um, update and uh, try to give you our, just our observations based on open source stuff we see and things that we think we can help you understand. And then uh, and then Grant Newsham is going to join me after this and Kind of give a little t- his take on uh, on the Chinese opportunity here that uh, that has presented itself to them. Uh, he'll draw a parallel between uh, to the Soviet Union uh, after the fall of Vietnam and what the Soviets tried to do. So I think you'll find that interesting. Um, <clears throat> but first, we'll do the kind of the what I would call the intel side of it, but. Maybe not so much intel, but just observations. Uh, and so Tim's going to cover kind of greater Afghanistan, uh, what we're seeing there, uh, greater Kabul, what we're seeing there, and then uh, the area around the airport and what we're seeing there. And then we'll do the op side of this thing, and then we'll kind of have a general discussion for, you know, 20 minutes or so. So, uh, Tim, um, <clears throat> give us greater Afghanistan. Well, Afghanistan now belongs to the Taliban, so the questions are, which areas do the Taliban not control? And what they do not control, as best as I can determine right now, is Sharbajak District and Kang District in Nimroz, where the where Brahawi and his Baluch are, the Panjshir Valley, which is flying now the Northern Alliance flag in every building, uh, and the central part of the country, which is the Hazara heartland, and that would basically basically consist of Daikundi and Bamiyan provinces. Those are Shia, Hazara peoples exclusively in that center part of this of the, the country. Of significance is Iran has at least one brigade and I believe two of Afghan Shias that they have trained and fought in Syria and they are still under arms in Iran and that's not insignificant. Um, the fact that the Northern Alliance flag is now flying indicates somebody's at least thrown up a challenge. That's not insignificant, but I really can't tell you uh, uh, what that means. I've seen uh, photographic reports of reprisal killings in Mazar Sharif of ISAF interpreters. Those would be German speakers, of course, about a half dozen. To the best of my knowledge, we've not seen widespread killing, but we have seen more than a little bit of retribution Uh, from the Taliban. It does not appear to be organized or in great numbers. As we were talking in Kabul yesterday, trying to make sense of of what was happening, what we were seeing was the insert of the Neo Force. And I'll let Jeff cover that in in, in more detail 
only then to note that despite the, the media hysteria and whatnot, it appears that the situation at the airport was rapidly Okay, hold on. I don't want to. I don't want to go to the airport yet. I want to talk about. No, no, I know. I want to talk about. I want to talk about Kabul Kabul. first. Kabul is under the control of the Taliban. They do have checkpoints up. They are prohibiting people from moving to the airport. Um, They have searched houses of government officials and other high-ranking individuals looking for them. To the best of my knowledge, they have not molested the population at all. But they are not letting them near the airport. I saw that the that the police were back on duty this morning. Have you seen that report? I have. I, I have. Like I said, it's, it's remarkable. It, it's it's remarkable how well they are doing. There and and I'll let Jeff cover what uh, whatever drama happened at, at the airport. But right now, right now, it, it appears like we might be able to get everybody out of there unscathed in an organized manner. All right, hold on, hold on. No, I want to talk. Jeff. I want to talk about Kabul. So Kabul, yeah, no, so Kabul, it appears, um, is functioning as a city with the police. I mean, the level of cooperation, right, and the um, what I would say the uh, the extent of uh, the agreements that have been reached are such that you have a the the Kabul city police department functioning, you know, working for the Taliban and in the streets. Uh, right now in Afghanistan, at least according to, you know, what I would call credible reports. There's no question. I I have heard the same. There's no question that's true. Ironically, the Taliban might be the first guys to pay them in six months. Um, But but again, I would not say that things are going on as normal. As far as I'm aware, shops are closed. People are in their houses. And uh, the communications I've had with Afghans in the city, they are uh, they they don't know what's going to happen in the future, and of course they are most uh, alarmed. Got it, got it, got it. All right, um, why don't we uh, just you, what do you see uh, relative to the area around the reporting? Any reports of you know of what we would call significant anything that would break squelch in terms of violence around the airport, and you know and give us an update on. What appears to be the Taliban coordinate, does that still exist? And and so any reports of, of violence or fighting that would break squelch around the airport? I have heard from two people uh, reports of heavy fighting between Americans and Taliban on the ground. I don't believe them. The only media reports I've seen were two armed men who were confronted by paratroopers, uh, did not surrender their weapons fast enough and were shot. It's the only report I've heard of violence uh, in the media. Okay, so um, so in terms of the intel side, it would appear that that outer cordon seems to be in place and seems to be holding and that there is nothing, no violence that would break squelch other than, you know, the episodic things you just related. Uh, yeah, and I, yes, and it's, and I am, I am surprised at how quickly they cleared that place out. I think it's a combination of, <laughs> their reputation for uh, uh, for being serious and what Will was talking about, which was that you got to f- get water and food in you somehow, so you can't stay there forever. Okay. So that's we are that's that's the situation as as we can tell right now. Okay, all right. Um, it, if I could ask you a general question, um, to me, it's more organized than than I would have suspected it would be at this early stage. Um, like I said, which gives you some indication of how, you know, how the level of cooperation and the, the agreements that have been struck. If if the Kabul police are, are in fact out, uh, which there's a whole bunch of reports that say they are, 
that gives you uh, some sense of the city's function. The city's at least functioning along those lines. And then if the Taliban cordon continues, um, Taliban have it have it uh, have it controlled pretty well, which is no shock. Um, but it seems sooner than I would have thought. Your thoughts as our as the, as the intel guy. As the intel guy, my thoughts are that Kalazide has been more than unusually effective in Doha. I, 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 I think that that level of cooperation, uh, that keeping the uniform police on, as a, as, as a direct contrast to what we did in Iraq, that's the stupidity, that kind of genius, I think, is Kalazide inspired. And I think he's been able to convince the Taliban the wisdom of seeming magnanimous to complete our humiliation. But what a stroke of luck for us, because I, too, thought we were going to it was going to devolve into chaos. And, and it was the exact opposite. It started in chaos and got organized with amazing rapidity, quite frankly. Got it. Got it. Let's go to the upside. Um, Jeff, um, yeah, there's some things that, that we'll talk about, but you want to start with observations on uh on again, just what we see, uh, pictures posted, stories written, um, observations on what you see at the Kabul airport. Yeah, it seems like uh, there's a little bit more um, uh, control over you know the airfield itself. That there's not a lot of leakers coming in and uh, Russian aircraft and so forth. And um, so uh, I didn't hear that about the police. That's a, I guess that's a good news story, if it's true. And that's the other thing when I say if it's true. It's so early right now and so murky that uh, you know, it's hard to put a lot of credence in, uh, in, in anything. Um, I think that uh, the forces that got in there, they're probably right now getting their uh, establishing some kind of routine about uh, you know, who's watching what part of the airport, who's who's uh in charge of uh making sure that the people who are in there evacuees potentially are getting water and, and food and shelter and so forth so uh there's a lot of different things also the people show up and they got medical medical conditions uh you know that uh it may be exacerbated by the stress of uh you know the fact that they're being evacuated so there's a lot of uh, a lot of things that happen i remember i mean just our small scale one we did in liberia both times we had babies being born we had people needing appendix, uh, you know, appendectomies. We had uh, people trying to bring like livestock into the embassy, and uh, and then when they weren't able to, that caused like small kerfuffles and stuff like that that could escalate. You know, so it's like uh, it's it's trying to control confusion. We got a lot of experience at this. You know, the, the U.S. Uh, military does, um, and we have a lot of experience at doing it without any warning or without any without any real good warning so to speak so uh you know i think that the forces that are in there are probably gonna adapt very quickly to the situation and uh make it as secure as possible uh as far as gunfights between the u.s military that are there and the taliban and stuff like that i have to tell you um i'm i'm not surprised if something like that develops uh, these guys, uh, there's a lot of bones to be picked after 20 years of us being in there. And, uh, you know, a lot of people released from jails and so forth. And uh, somebody might want to get payback. And they're not known. I mean, uh, even within the Afghan army, there is revenge killings. And, uh, the you know, like the blue on green got a lot of press, you know, back in the 2012, 2013, 14 time frame. 
But the blue on blue between the Afghans is just continuous. They're always killing each other, even within the, you know, within the, the uh, organization of the army and the police and so forth. So, I, um, you know, Afghanistan is a wild place and it, it isn't really that much more tame after 20 years of us being there. Got it. But in terms of the area, you know, based on what you've seen, um, yeah, the, I think, the, the other thing Richard Engel's reporting is flights have resumed uh, both in right. and out of Kabul International Airport, which gives you some idea of what what uh, what what you said about about level of control yeah. that's there. And um, exactly, Mac. And that would that would lessen the panic of uh, of people who live in Kabul or are trying to get to the airport, seeing that it appears to be you know flights coming in, flights going out. It gives us. It, it, it kind of gives the, um, you know, the impression of normalcy. Got it. Um, Will, um, thoughts on uh, what you've seen so far uh, at the airport? Yeah, so what struck me is I saw a little video clip of some American forces seemingly going through the terminal as if they had just arrived. And... Um, they were carrying basically one, less than one day of supply, right? They had no water, no food. And so it didn't appear to me that they're there for the long haul. And that's the thing that I, ask, I, I think about now um, is there's a certain adrenaline rush. People get there. They set up. There was mass chaos. But now how long is this going to go on? Uh, you know, we've announced that we, we took all the official people out of the embassy, so they're gone. So supporting that force, if flights are coming in and out, it can be logistically sustained. Um, but, but the other thing is you just think about numbers. Uh, if you're going to be there in a sustained way, then one-third to one-half of your force is actually on duty. And... Uh, I don't think that there was a lot of training that was put into the Marines that were, or the, whoever was there, uh, U.S. forces that are there. Uh, and if all the State Department people left, then the only screening that's going to go on is pure physical screening. People come in, we make sure they're not carrying weapons, and we put them on an airplane and leave. But actually trying to do administrative processing to separate out, separate out the various people we may want to evacuate. And there should be, you know, various lists, official U.S. people, uh, official U.S. allies, American citizens, and then other third country nationals that we might think or we're going to take out of there. So it's, it's, you know, I couldn't see in any reporting. And again, I'm going off a, a, a video clip to see what was there. Uh, and then I would say, the, the the downside of not having chaos, okay? Chaos brings a sense of urgency. So if we lose the sense of urgency, then the good idea fairies start coming out of the woodwork. So, for example, when we went to Sierra Leone, uh, it was urgent. We landed. We took everybody who showed up out. And we left and we thought we were done. And the good idea fairies came out of the woodwork the next day because, well, we did it and nobody got hurt. And all of a sudden, 
some VIP said, well, you left these other people because I know who they are. They're now VIPs. And we had to go back and get them. And believe it or not, the rumor that we got was that uh, someone pretty high in the administration had gotten a call from someone who ran an orphanage. And therefore, we got an order to go in and evac these people on the next day. Well, the VIP good idea fairies are going to be coming out of the woodwork if this thing gets calm, as it seems to have done. And now you've got special missions of VIPs that how much risk are we willing to take? Are we going to take people that get to the airport? They will do that. And then the VIP fairies are going to come out and say, we should go get some people. And now we start pushing up against what is a Taliban willing to do? How long are they willing to allow us to do this in a, in a permissive environment? And it gets sort of goofy after that. And okay. it just I, I, can we, can not we di- clear can what we, the orders are. Can we dissect that? So um, let's just – so the first people in would be – some security people, and I would venture to say special operators, are the first people in? Um, well, I, it, perhaps. There might, I'm not sure. I don't, I mean, I don't I think did so. Two NEOs. There were no special operations forces going in. We actually evacuated a special ops team to take them out. Um, special operations to do what? I'm not sure. Right? If it's... Uh, this is a this is a pretty routine infantry sort of mission. Get on the ground, establish security, uh, and hopefully allow people with expertise that are going to do administrative processing and decision making of who we're going to take in and out of there. But yeah, there might be some special ops team for whatever goofy reason to go in. Yeah, yeah. I mean it is. 2021 after all the um and and, and let me tell you and they have incredible say so anyway so so that goes in right and then what we saw is the security element gets expanded on the ground and then begins to secure the airport so i think we've seen that um let's talk about um the rate at which we flow people out so um, there's been pictures of what, uh, 800 people on a C-17, right? Um, let's let, let's talk about the rate. So is that? I mean, I saw that. Is that in fact valid? Anybody have no, any idea? Well, no, I don't. Well, uh, if, yeah, if, if just one, if, yeah. one quick point, if, we, if I could. The uh, the government, U.S. government, from the White House said that uh, they're not going to mess around with screening. They're just going to get as many people out and handle that outside the country. Which I thought was strange, but they said that. And, uh, you know, so there's that. I mean, uh, that, that would, you know. But that wasn't what happened. That, that wasn't what happened. Oh, Those... really? We know that? Well, hold on. Yeah. So no, I... no, no, no. I'm going, I'm going by eyewitness on the, on, from the airport, right. and, okay. I'm, and I'm talking about a NATO guy, okay? Right. That's not what happened. Those planes that those Afghans rushed were the insert birds for the force. They had to come land on a taxiway, go past the terminals, go as far east as they can to get away from the crowd, 
and the crowd bum rushed them as the, as the troopers got off. They fought to get those guys away from the plane, and then and and we and and the other subsequent planes let their people off, closed up, and that's where the guys that were getting swarmed as they were taxiing down, which bought which which bought an immediate response from uh, uh, from the Americans in the form of Apaches, and that's what that's after after those those horrible pictures of those planes taking off with people on them, they ran birds up and down the place and rapidly got them off the runway. So that first 800 out were people that bum rushed a plane and you can hear the pilot telling the controller, I'm just going to take them because I don't, I don't have time to get them off. So that's not how they're doing this NEO. That was not part of the NEO. That was the insert. And that was the chaos of the insert. Apparently the, uh, the national security advisor indicated that uh, the detailed screening that Will just referenced when he was talking is not going to be done at the airport or even in Afghanistan. It's going to be done at the first stop, presumably in one of the Gulf states or, you know, in uh, someplace north of uh, Afghanistan, wherever they're flying these folks. So. Okay, so let me go back to asking a question. So do we have any idea the pa- how many packs a C-17 can make? can take and again we're used to its configuration uh where it's got seats in it um not sure what configuration they'll use but do we have any sense of what a c-17 can take with seats i i i don't but it's not it's it's not that many folks i don't believe they're gonna you're gonna see that again that was a one-off uh incident yeah those people were also they were not in seats no, right, right, no, right, uh, right. But yeah. assuming that if the, Air, like if, if the Air Force is going to do this, um, I mean, they would want to do it in an organized way. And again, maybe that's an erroneous assumption uh, on my part. But I, I was just looking for some kind of ballpark in terms of what a C-17 uh, takes. And that way, estimating, you know, throughput, if you can get, I don't know, a flight an hour, 24, 25 flights a day. How, what did, What does that give you? Uh, in terms of throughput to get yeah, out, I, I, if you're going to do seats, you know, I, fourth, I'll four thirty five. It's, it's going to some of Google. Oh yeah, that's a good idea. I'm doing but that, I, but I would, but also revise your math a little bit. Okay. Um, you can't do a flight every hour. We don't have the airplanes. Okay, that, I, that's fine. The, the pick a number. I mean, I, I'm just trying yeah. to get some idea, and then then I want to link it and ask you guys: Taliban going to let us do this to get how many how many thousand people out? And then, yeah, again, that's the question. Right. If the so it goes to a couple of things. We are going to do detailed screening there when we don't have any perimeter security. What level of detail are we going to do? Anyone who gets to the airport gets on the airplane. I think we're going to do more screening than that. Are we going to take U.S. citizens, anyone that can show a connection to the United States, third country national, and uh, any allied third country nationals? I, I don't know what that number is. Yeah. But... The people that people that got on the first airplane—that is not what we're going to do anymore. So what I'm looking at, what I'm looking, yeah, what what I'm looking at has to be a screening, right? What I'm looking at, Will, is eight pallets of seats 
10 people per pallet and 54 people on the sidewalls for a total of 134? I've got 202. You got uh, 48 right. center line seats. All right, so we'll take Timmy's number. 200. 200. 200 so you 200. Do math. 200 packs. And let's just say a flight, let's just say 12 flights a day. Yeah, it's 2,500 a day. Easy math. Okay. How long will the Taliban allow us to do this? Right. And that, that becomes the next question. So if there's. And then, and then, Mac, how long can we support it? Right. Again, logistics. So you you can fly in MREs and probably water all day. But at some point, you're wallowing in your own filth. Let's talk about that. So, I mean, just just the logistical and the practical shit that is going on there, right? The medical people that are part yeah. of this, this team and them, you know. So in a city like Kabul, how many people are on adjacent to or wherever the entrance they're allowing people in on, let's just say, the back side of the airport, which is the military side of the airport, there's now an entrance that people are, are, are being screened to come through in some way, shape, or form. Once they come through, you got to feed them, you got to water them, and they've got to go to the bathroom someplace. So this, 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 I mean, this problem is a real-world sanitation, health. And then, you know, I think it was Will yesterday or Jeff, I can't remember which one of you talked about all the medical things that are going to go on. There's going to be pregnant women. There's going to be people that die at the airport just of medical conditions and all kinds of other shit. And yeah, so, Matt, I mean, there's a... Uh, so could you guys talk about that in terms of, you know, this is probably on a larger scale yeah, than, than you guys did, but how do you, I mean, explain how that gets well, organized. I, I, can, I compare it to when I was down in uh, Gitmo doing the great Cuban migration of the summer of 94. You know, we had people that we picked up at sea who had dived into a, you know, gotten on a raft, picked up at sea that were diabetics. And they had insulin that needed to be refrigerated. And they showed up in the migrant camps in Gitmo. Uh, We had people that seemingly had had fresh operations uh, with stitches that looked like they were a day old that were festering. Uh, And then you get all the other things associated with humans. Lice, scabies, crabs, TB. It is the third world. Uh, yeah, we're not going to really know about how much preparation was done. I mean, just for the shitters. I mean, the you know the all the porta johns and stuff like that for for hundreds of people who are in there waiting for flights, uh, as well as water. That's water is a lot of weight and so forth. Bringing it in with bottles of water, and then uh, the uh, the you know the food part. So uh, I, I, th- I think the the, wa- I think water and food is the easy part because you could send that shit in on empty planes that turn around, right? You could load that up and send that on. So that, to me, is the easiest part, the sanitation part, the medical part, right? And, and, and as Will said, you know, tuberculosis, you know, and, and, you know, when we would bring in civilian casualties, the, one of the first tests that would, would, we would do is, you know, a series of tests on them for third world diseases that we, we couldn't have in the hospitals. And if they had them, then you had it, you know, you went into the NBC contamination room and got treated in there. Uh, so that, right. so the medical people could protect themselves. Um, yeah. So know that there's no COVID right. in Afghanistan. Right. 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 So, uh, yeah. and, and, 
Go ahead. There's, there's a, something, else that, something else that's interesting. What Jeff said. Remember when I talked about my neo, I said I delivered a baby. The reason I was delivering a baby is the ORs were full with appendectomies and other other deliveries. It's there. It's more than a little curious how every time you get a neo, you you end up with uh, with women going into labor. I mean, it's it was it was almost routine, which is why it, a second class corpsman was 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 left to do this kind of thing. Well, there's a couple of guys with me, but you know what I mean. It's I just it, that I, I've never known that or thought about it until Jeff and uh, Will mentioned it. I can't imagine. Let's talk. Yeah. Let's talk about the no screening thing. So anybody that shows up is getting on a bird out of Afghanistan. There's no screening. There's no priority. I, I just find that the, the, they're going to do screening I, like they do in the airport, searching for weapons, and that's probably about it. I I can tell you from my experience, the way that the visa system works is you do it all with the person, like me, representing them with the State Department by by uh, by emails. And then they, they ultimately will send a, a communication to the Afghan, tell them to report here, right? That's not happening. My guys, I told them, go to the airport with your v, with your paperwork and see what happens. I, at least three of them got through. That's not how it's supposed to work, but it indicates the level of screening that's going. Yeah. So so it's, 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 what, it's, it's just a valid passport, really. Like like uh, Jeff was saying, and, and, and you're screening a guy, but there's there's no medical screening as part of that process. You know the other this yeah the, the other, other embassies moved uh, moved their operations to the airport. I mean that was on open source, uh, so you, th- those operations are going to be consular type operations where you know it's all about visas, it's all about people right. leaving. You know right. that type of thing. I, I would say look at the other end too. If the U.S. says that they're not screening, well, where are we taking all these people? Yeah. Taking yeah. them to, to somewhere in the Gulf. Right. The, those countries want this humanitarian wreckage to show up on their shores because oh, there's no fellow Muslims. Well, but and, and again, uh, I, I, I would, would say though, there, there's no sovereign U.S. territory that we're taking them to that we can house them temporarily until you know. It's not like the Vietnamese refugees where we took them to Guam for the most part and then moved them to the U.S. Philippines. Yeah, Phil, or we're, if we're dumping these people in some other third country, do we are we promising those countries again? You're showing up with two, three, four hundred people at a crack to an airport. Well, airports are good at moving people through; they're not good at housing people. Right. So then, what do you do? It, yeah, I don't understand all this. There are smart people that are doing this kind of stuff, but our our sense of what's truly happening right now, I think, is weak. Right. If, you know, Tim, if you know someone, I'm intrigued about not where we're taking off from Kabul, but where we're landing and what's going on there. I, 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 see, I know nothing about that. Again, so my question is, if we're not screening, right, then how long will we do this and what are we taking out of Afghanistan? Um, because to me... You know, the the object of, of this lift is to get the people that worked for us, right, and were loyal to us out of the country in this, I would say, finite window that the Taliban yeah, are, yeah. are granting but, us. And if and if it's just first come, first serve, then it's, I mean, you're going to, I mean, you want a riot to break out, you know, you're going to have one pretty quick. So I, I that's what I, I, I concur with Will. You know, we don't can know. I, can we, I give you? Hold on one second. We don't know what's going on, and it doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me 
that, you know, we're taking first come, first serve. Go ahead, Timmy. The SIV program for the interpreters did not address employees for USAID and U.S. Uh, Department of State programs. They, they weren't included. It was just interpreters. And it got about 1,200 of them, I think, through. The, the P2 program started, if you recall, the week before Zaranj fell. So, so nobody's had the a time to properly process any of that paperwork. And the amount of Afghans that are eligible to apply under those uh, strictures are, is unlimited. I mean, tens of thousands, I am certain. I am certain. And because it wasn't until that P2 visa popped and started to become a thing that my inbox and, and social media got jammed up with guys you know, I knew in Afghanistan. Because before that, they couldn't come. Got so it. it's it was a it just was a terrible timing. I'm, I'm not intentionally. It's it's just it's unfortunate the timing, you know. Okay, um, let's go around and uh, uh, your number one RFI. Uh, and we'll start with Will. Will your number one RFI, and then we'll go around a second time and get a final thought. So your number one RFI uh, as we watch the news today is what? Yeah, who is the targets? to be evacuated. All right. Jeff, your number one RFI is what? Um, who got there first? The the uh, people in the Neo Force or the Taliban? It appears like the Taliban got there first to, uh, to Kabul, and that really surprised uh, DOD and DOS. Got it. Uh, Tim, your number one RFI is? <laughs> It, it's uh, it's do we do do we do we get out unscathed? I, they the the thought of the good idea ferry that Will was talking about is terrifying because Wazirak the Khan, where all the internationals are, if they're no, stranded, that's not that's not an RFI though. That's a thought. What's your number uh, one RFI? That's my, that's my terror. My, my number one RFI is how long does the truth hold out between the armed Taliban and the armed uh, soldiers and Marines? Got it. My number one RFI is is the screening thing. We're not going to screen. I I thought we were taking out our people. We're taking out anybody. So I don't. I would like to see the footnotes on that. I mean, there's because there's people someplace at a gate, someplace that are screening people, and some are coming in and some are not. And so I would, I would, uh, I'd be curious to know that. And uh, all right. So final thoughts, Will. Final thought. Yeah, I. Uh... I sense that this is going to go on as long as the news cycle supports it. Uh, and so if the news is pounding about we left these people, we left those people, we left these people, we left those people, it may go on longer. Uh, but it's I, I'm not I'm not sure U.S. interests, U.S. loyalty. I'm not sure any of that is driving that thing right now. With the decision makers at the tippy top, I think the news cycle is probably driving this. Got it, Jeff. Final thought. Yeah, I mean, um, I'd like to. Um, I'd be interested as as the uh, more and more information comes out as to how prepared or unprepared this whole thing actually was. Like uh, right now, there's a lot of furious people who normally aren't furious with the National Command Authority about uh, ignored advice and lack of preparation. So i just like to know how deep that runs and, and you know, yeah, the reasons for it. I was thinking about that, and, 
you know, what I think what you would hear was, well, we thought we had a pretty good plan. What we didn't anticipate was the timeline would get absolutely annihilated and that we would execute now. We thought we would be executing this slowly yeah. over the course of weeks. And then with essentially, I wouldn't even say the collapse because collapse isn't the right word. The summary, the summary handing over of the nation, right, within hours, yeah. right, within hours to the Taliban blows up, completely blows up the Thailand, and, I mean, the timeline, and um, and all of a sudden, yeah, that's, and, that's and, and, all of sudden we're, and then all of a sudden we're, t- right. we're told, no, execute now. What? I don't have the pieces yeah. in place yet. No, you got to go now. Yeah, right. that's exactly right. Also, the president left, President Ghani. Do we know that before? Was that a surprise? Were we ready for that? Were we ready for their whole government to basically abdicate, you know, uh, responsibility? Right. And if so, and then when Tim was saying about this uh, this enclave in Panjshir Valley of the Northern Alliance, that's where Masood is from. He's known as the Lion of Panjshir, you know, before he's killed. And uh, he's from there, Tajik guy. And that's uh, that's significant, too, is how much of this stuff was known by us before and how much was known by part of the U.S. government and ignored by other parts that were senior because it didn't fit in with the way they were thinking about things or whatever reason. you know. Uh-huh. So when that all comes out, I'll be interested to see. And that's when I think we're going to start getting furious. When we started hearing about that detail because right now I'm, I'm reserving right. emotion. You know, I'm just tamping it down because, uh, you know. I just don't know stuff yet. And we all know that the first reports are either too good or too bad. So we, we're kind of letting it shake out, you know? Got it. Timmy, did did we already talk about your number one R5? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I, <laughs> yeah, took, we, I we, took you yeah, to I'm task like, for making a comment and not actually asking yeah. for an R5. All right. Uh, we'll start with you, Tim. Final thought on today? Uh, my, yeah. final, my final thought is what a beautiful segue from Jeff because – the biggest issue in my mind is the complete failure of our national intelligence apparatus. We are reacting this way for this neo-op because the, the Taliban are dictating the pace. They're inside of our OODA loop. And that's because our natural intelligence apparatus completely failed us. And when Will was talking about getting your human agents, human intel agents in, my experience in Afghanistan wasn't you'd find many from the CIA. It was the DEA that had the human intel networks. They were the guys who were out there kind of operating in the same similar manner as I was. And, and, and I think that, too, is an indictment on our national intelligence agency when you have a drug enforcement agency with a greater human capability than your own CIA. It's, it is disgraceful. Right, Timmy, that, it is a great segue. Timmy and I are like those female volleyball players on the beach. It's exactly know? right, Jeff. I set him up for this. I know, I know, I know. Will 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 pay you fifty bucks to set him up when he's when he's doing well. I don't right. I, I don't know if you guys are, if it's just me. I don't know. All right. Will final thought on today? I this would be my second final thought. I ever gave you one. <laughs> I thought that was your I thought that was RFI. Jeff yeah. okay, fuck it. Jeff, do you have an R, a final thought? No, that was my final thought was how much you know, what's the, the true nature of uh, how this thing seems to be unexpected and why? Right. Mm-hmm. Right. My, my final thought is, um, I guess, two, um, uh, two variables. One, 
uh, how long will a Taliban allow this? Two, how many people are we trying to lift out of there? And good one. Yeah. So how? how uh, in addition to, you know, what is really going on on the military side of that airport? Uh, and I, you know, again, as you guys pull the curtain back on, look, just finding a place for everybody, you know, to to void their waste products, right? Segregated by, you know, maybe segregated by men and women, maybe not based on the level of uh, of uh, uh, of urgency that goes along with that. The medical operation that's going on there is the babies are delivered and people are dying and, and they don't have medications and things like that. And uh, just all of that is just this drama that's unfolding there that the guys on the gr- and girls on the ground will uh, are, are attempting to take care of. And then the throughput, you know, which is a function of the number of C-17s, and I don't know, do we still fly C-141s that are able to get in and yeah. out, get in and out of that place? So to me, and then how long? At what point do the Taliban say, "Okay, enough"? So all that. As we, You're right. That's good. And you know, within the Taliban itself, pretty soon Mohammed's going to start motherfucking, uh, you know, uh, Hamid and saying, "I told you this guy was an apostate." He's a fucking traitor, and and they'll start falling out and right. shooting and, at each other. Well, and then they always or that guy's going to head to the airport, and they're going to say, right? They're going to say, enough. We don't yep. want we don't want him to leave. And the Americans, we've we've allowed the Americans X number of days of this. All right, you have another twelve hours. This guy better not be on one of your planes, and then you're done. So that'll be all yep. interesting stuff in the future. All right, boys, thank you very much.